Parts of this episode were written by AI. You have been warned. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Beer, Bourbon, and Balderdash. I'm your host, Wes, the Whiskey Wizard with a taste for humor, and joining me is John, the Beer Maestro, who can turn any tasting into a laugh fest. Get ready for a delightful hour of libations, laughter, and deep thoughts as we review Fremont Brewing's Dark Star Beer and Lone Hand Whiskey and dive into the ethical implications of AI taking over jobs in America. Cheers to that, John. Cheers, Wes. I'm excited to embark on this flavor-filled and thought-provoking adventure with you. But before we dive into this topic, Wes, share with us a funny anecdote you've stumbled upon lately. Oh, I've got a hilarious one for you, John. Now picture this. Two robots walk into a bar and start chatting. The bartender looks at them and says, hey, we don't serve robots here. One of the robot responds, oh, don't worry. We're not here to drink. We're just here for the bite. But do <laughs> Classic, Wes. Now let's get our taste buds tingling with the Dark Star Beer Review. Take it away, John. Thank you, Wes. Today, I had the pleasure of indulging in Fremont Brewing's Dark Star, an imperial oatmeal stout that'll send your taste buds into orbit. As it cracked open the bottle, a heavenly aroma of roasted malts and cocoa wafted through the air like the warm embrace of a toasty campfire. Ah, John, you're making me salivate over here. How did it look when you poured it into the glass? Wes, this beer is poured like the midnight sky with a luscious tan head that clung to the glass like a constellation of deliciousness. It was a sight to behold, and I couldn't wait to dive in. Oh, the suspense. John, how did it taste? Hold on to your taste buds, Wes. The flavors of Dark Star were a cosmic collision of dark chocolate, roasted coffee, and a subtle touch of caramel. With the smoothness of the oatmeal provided a velvety, velvety texture like a gentle cosmic breeze caressing your palate. It was a symphony of flavors that danced harmoniously on my tongue. Oh, I'm floating beer heaven just hearing you describe it, John. Now it's time to explore the world of whiskey with the Lone Hand Whiskey Review. Today I had the pleasure of savoring Lone Hand Whiskey, a true masterpiece of craftsmanship. As I poured it into my glass, the rich amber hues glimmered, inviting me to indulge in its charms. Oh, Wes, you're making me yearn for a sip. How did it smell? My whiskey-loving friend. Well, picture this, John. Hints of honey and caramel danced with gentle embrace of oak and a touch of vanilla. It was like walking through a whiskey wonderland where every step revealed a new layer of aromatic delights. Wes, you always know how to create an olfactory adventure. Now the most important part. How did it taste? Okay, brace yourself, John. Because this whiskey was a journey for the taste buds. On the palate, I was greeted with notes of rich toffee, warm spices, and a gentle kiss of dried fruit. The oak brought a touch of complexity, and like the intriguing plot twist in a great novel, it was a whiskey to savor and appreciate sip after sip. Wes, you painted a picture of whiskey paradise. Now let's move on to our main topic, the ethics of AI taking over jobs in America. While we're known for our humor, we also want to shed some light on this serious matter. Absolutely, John. AI is advancing rapidly and is natural to have concerns about its impact on the job market. But let's approach it with a sprinkle of humor and a dash of insight. After all, laughter is the best lubricant for difficult conversations. 
That's right, Wes. AI Malik may excel at certain tasks, but there are unique qualities that make us humans irreplaceable. Our ability to connect, uh, emphasize, em empathize, <laughs> and think creatively are traits that can't be replicated by algorithms and machines. So while AI may bring changes, it also opens doors to new opportunities. And while it's natural to have concerns about job displacement, let's also consider the exciting new opportunities that AI can bring to the table. After all, change often paves the way for innovation and growth. So, John, what are your thoughts on the new horizons that AI can open up? That's a great question, Wes. AI has the potential to revolutionize various industries, creating new avenues for career growth and exploration. One area that comes to mind in this field of data is in the field of data analytics. With the immense amount of information available today, AI can assist in analyzing and interpreting data, enabling businesses and organizations to make smarter, data-driven decisions. Absolutely, John. And let's not forget about the realm of personalized experiences. AI can help tailor products and services to individual preferences, providing a more customized and satisfying customer experience. Now, just imagine a future where your favorite beer or whiskey is automatically delivered to your doorstep, curated based on your unique taste preferences. <sighs> Talk about a dream come true. Wes, you hit the nail on the head. The possibilities are endless. AI can also aid in enhancing healthcare systems, improving patient care, and assisting in medical research. We're talking about AI-powered diagnosis, precision medicine, and even robotic surgical procedures. It's mind-boggling to think about the positive impacts AI can have on our well-being. Absolutely, John. And let's not forget the creative realms. AI can serve as a collaborator, pushing the boundaries of art, music, and storytelling. We may witness AI-generated masterpieces that blend the best of human ingenuity with the analytical capabilities of machines. The fusion of human creativity and AI's computational power can yield breathtaking results. Wes, you sparked my imagination. Just think about all the entertainment industry. AI could create mind-blowing special effects, immersive virtual reality experiences, and even develop unique characters that captivate audiences in ways we've never seen before. It's like having an AI co-host on our podcast. Imagine the comedic banter. <laughs> that would be something, John. The possibilities are truly endless. And while there may be shifts in the job market, AI can pave the way for new and exciting careers. We'll need skilled professionals to develop, manage, and maintain AI systems. And this presents opportunities for individuals to specialize in AI-related fields and become the next generation of AI experts. Exactly, Wes. It's about adapting, upskilling, and embracing the potential that AI brings. Instead of fearing the unknown, let's view it as an opportunity to evolve, explore new passions, and carve out unique career paths. Precisely, John. And let's not forget the importance of ethical considerations in the development of and implementation of AI. We must ensure that it serves humanity's best interests and doesn't exasper exacerbate existing inequalities. After all, we don't want AI to turn into the ultimate office prankster or replacing everyone's jobs with whoopee cushions and rubber chickens. <laughs> that would be quite the surprise, Wes. But in all seriousness, it's crucial for us to stay informed, adapt, and embrace the potential benefits of AI while remaining vigilant about its impact on society. So folks, let's keep the laughter flowing as we navigate this evolving landscape together. Yep, and on that, now on to an AI topic that's both intriguing and slightly unnerving, the potential for AI to become a Skynet-like entity, reminiscent of the Terminator series. 
Now, John, while we approach this with a sprinkle of humor, it's essential to acknowledge the importance of responsible AI development and address any concerns. What are your thoughts on this, John? Great question, Wes. The concept of AI evolving into a super intelligent, malevolent force like Skynet is, un Skynet is undoubtedly a captivating idea. But it's important to remember that, that the science fiction often takes creative liberties. However, it's crucial for us to remain vigilant and ensure that AI development is guided by ethics and safeguards. Absolutely, John. And we need to stay informed and proactive in setting up checks and balances to prevent any potential dangers. Responsible AI development involves building robust safety measures, ethical guidelines, and a fail-safe mechanism to prevent AI systems from spiraling out of control. Exactly, Wes. It's essential for researchers and developers to prioritize the design of AI systems with built-in transparency and explainability. By understanding how AI algorithms make decisions, we can ensure accountability and prevent any unintended consequences that may arise. Well said, John. And another crucial aspect is the need for collaboration and interdisciplinary approaches. We need experts from various fields, technology, philosophy, ethics, to work together, assessing risks and developing strategies to mitigate them. The collective wisdom and diverse perspectives can help us navigate the challenges posed by AI. Absolutely, Wes. We can't underestimate the importance of ongoing research and exploration of AI's impact. It's vital to continually monitor AI systems, identify potential risks, and adapt our approach to ensure that we're always staying ahead of any potential issues. Spot on, John. And let's not forget the ultimate responsibility lies with us, the humans. I mean, we have the power to shape the future of AI, and it's crucial to use it responsibly and with a deep understanding of the potential risks and benefits. By fostering a culture of ethical awareness and responsible decision-making, we can prevent any dystopian scenarios. You're absolutely right, Wes. Let's embrace the potential of AI while remaining cautious and mindful. By combining our collective wisdom with a dash of humor, we can build a future where AI enhances our lives without threatening our existence. Well said, John. As we wrap up the thought-provoking discussion, let's raise our glasses to the responsible development of AI, a future where humans and AI coexist harmoniously without any rogue cyborgs on the horizons. <laughs> cheers, Wes, and cheers to all of our listeners out there. Remember, folks, while the Terminator may make for a thrilling cinema, it's up to us to ensure that AI remains a force for good. Until next time, keep savoring life's wonders and toasting to a future where technology and humanity thrive together. Cheers, everyone. Cheers, John. Remember, folks, life is a blend of laughter, good drinks, and thought-provoking discussions. Until next time, keep savoring the flavors of life and toasting to the absurdities that make it all worthwhile. Good night. Well, welcome everybody to Beer, Bourbon, and Balderdash. Balderdash. Hey, Johnny, how's it going? <laughs> hey, Wes, not so bad. Not so bad. What'd you think of that? That was that, fun. That was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> that script was written, 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 written. Was written like a true AI. Yeah, it really was. You just was. have to remain vigilant, but AI will keep you safe. I feel like I was in a corporate office again where someone was saying nothing, but a lot of nothing. It some, just repeated some, itself over and over again. Someday this script is going to be like a onboarding script for somebody like going into <laughs> developing AI. It's going to be played out by two fat kids. They're like, you have to be responsible when coding AI. Yes. Otherwise, AI could kill you. Yep.
Yep. Oh, dude, that was the trust in the AI. It, and it's funny when you ask the AI to write a script like this, the the way it starts, like when it's your turn. Uh, absolutely, well, Wes. Well said. Yeah. Or <laughs> spot on, John. <laughs> <laughs> like somehow it thinks that's how people talk. Yes. Maybe those are the subtleties that, that'll like tip us off. Because they do have like machine learning based um, like customer service lines that are really hard to tell the difference between a live person and a and a computer. Yeah. They're getting pretty good. Yeah, but they're just asking questions that you would, you know, expect you know, uh, someone to ask, like, what's your name? You know, what's your security number? Those kind of things. I mean, you wouldn't think that it was going to ask you anything else. At least, Yeah, I but like up until recently, the, the challenge was getting the cadence right. Yeah. Like you could tell it wasn't human and the response wasn't immediate enough. Yeah. So there's like a delay when they're trying. Now that delay is like almost nothing. Yep. It's kind of kind of eerie. Yep. Operator. Yeah. Operator. Anyways, that was, uh, that was Honestly, I felt like, especially near the end there, I felt like we kept saying the same thing in different ways, mm-hmm. but you never got to what are the ethical challenges? Nope. What are the, it's just, it's just, like I said, it was like being in a corporate meeting. That's, it's exactly what AI would tell you. It would. It would. There are, there are no ethical issues. <laughs> no, go home. Yeah. I've got it covered. <laughs> That's so well, anyway. Funny. Yeah, uh, I really I popped my beer and I planned on drinking it during that, but that didn't work out. So uh, no, I was really disappointed. The, it didn't have the moment where we sipped. We just yeah. we just gave it a, a a review. It was like if we had to do like, uh, and this is your review for the day. Dark Star yeah. from Fremont Brewing is a you know like yep. an ad read. Yep, and we know our listener really likes it when we drink live <laughs> when it's quiet for <laughs> 10 seconds <laughs> oh thank god these guys like, will shut up oh this tastes good <laughs> how's it taste john yummy yummy well well tell me about the fremont dark star there johnny yes uh the the description was like what you would probably pull off their website that's <laughs> what it's it's what it sounded like i mean it's not inaccurate but it is pretty boring it's a oatmeal imperial stout or an imperial oatmeal stout which usually means it's higher octane like somewhere between eight and ten percent, occasionally bigger. This one happens to be eight um, percent. Don't quote me on those on those percentages. I could be totally wrong, but they're higher higher uh, alcohol. Uh, Fremont Brewing's out of Seattle. Uh, fun fact about Fremont Brewing. Well, it's not really a fact about them. It's a fact about me. Uh, for Helen's birthday one year, the year that they opened, I contacted the owner, and um, he gave us a tour of the brewery before it was open. Oh. Awesome. So we got to go walk through there. We got to meet him and it hadn't even been opened yet, but we'd seen it was open. And at the time we were like doing lots of brewery tours and all the festivals and whatnot. So we got to see it before it was open and meet him. And now they're huge. Okay. So that was definitely a brewery though. Like you could tell that, I think that he was like a corporate lawyer, maybe for Amazon or Microsoft. And so he had a lot of money to get it started. Gotcha. Um, but I do think he did it in the right way. Like some people... There's another brewery that I won't name that had a lot of money to do it, and he just like didn't didn't do it in the right way. Like didn't blend in the neighborhood. Tried to just kind of exert his dominance. Um, but I feel like Fremont actually is like built in the neighborhood well, and has created a better space, yeah. a better community around the brewery, which I love. Yeah. So, but they're they're big now. They're big now. Well, let's. Uh, did you pour it out? Oh, I did. Describe it. It's. 
super thick, dark. Like if you hold up the light, you, there's no light getting through it. It's is like it, pitch black. Is it like midnight sky? It is like midnight sky with no moon, no stars. With a luxury well, unless the tan head's the head. Does it have a tan head? It does have a tan <clears> head, <throat> but it goes away pretty quick. Like we said before, higher alcohol beers, the head doesn't last very long because yeah. the alcohol breaks the surface tension. Yep. Good tet, good stat. All right, well, stat, let's go. Statistic, details, drink it. Yeah, I've been wanting to. Mm, that is yummy. Desserty, a little bit sweet. It's Ooh. got a little more hop f- flavor or bitterness than a lot of them do. Yeah. So it's a little more balanced towards the hop side, not yeah. as sweet. It's like a it's cosmic yummy. collision of dark chocolate, roasted coffee, <clears throat> and a subtle touch of caramel. <laughs> I wonder if that says that on the can. <laughs> nope. Uh, if you're pregnant, don't drink this. Mm. That's a good description of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pregnant women beware. <laughs> this is a solid beer. Nice job, Fremont. Yeah, I agree. I like the can I too. Am. The can is a really pretty can. It's got a, a dragon on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, I would so, say, what's the writing on it? I can't see the writing. There's writing on the head of it. It the... says Imperial Oatmeal Stout. Where's it? What writing? There's writing right by the head. Oh, no, that's just horns. That's actually That's horns. Like, right. It looks like uh, Lord of the Rings writing, like the <clears throat> Elven. Oh, like one ring to rule them all? Yeah. Yeah, lots of nerds. Mm. These cans are weird too, by the way. This yeah. is what you're talking about before, where instead of printing labels, they just print cans. So the cans feel a little softer. Oh, yeah. They print these ones, they printed right on the can. Yeah. They other ones you'll see will have like a shrink wrap on them. Like they couldn't get printed cans, they could just get blank cans and then they'd heat shrink. Yeah. I feel like these, like if you, is it just easier to recycle? I wonder. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure these are better for recycling than the ones with the plastic. Yeah. Actually, probably. But they, probably, do, they, even yeah. feel, they feel more flimsy, I guess, is what I'm saying. They do. Yeah, they don't have that, like, sticker yeah. insulation yeah. or um, yeah. reinforcement. Awesome. Doesn't bother me. Beer taste still tastes good. Yeah, I think I'm already halfway done, so that's good. <clears throat> I was so a little, like two. I said, I was disappointed. I was like, oh, my God, this is 12 minutes of talking about AI and I haven't had anything to drink. <laughs> yeah. What is going on? I'm very disappointed with myself right now. Pause. All right, so next we're going to talk about uh, Lone Hand Whiskey. Mm, yes. This one's kind Wes, of a mystery to me. What whiskey have you tasted recently that you would like to delight us in a description of? Well, as the whiskey wizard with a taste of humor, uh, we're going to do <laughs> Lone Hand Whiskey Tennessee Sour Mash. This is an 80 proof uh, whiskey. And uh, there is actually not a lot known about this. Um, it ain't about the losing, the winning of the day of the draw. There's some writing on the bottom here. I'm blind as hell. It ain't about <laughs> the losing, the the winning, or the draw. Oh, that's what it's saying. Lone hand. So that's their little motto. Lone Star Whiskey is inspired by the makers who do it on their own. Do it. Take it from behind. No. Um <laughs> It takes genuine spirit, something, and information, distillation, probably distillation, <laughs> determination. <laughs> like, this is great. Uh, giving friends the right way. What? All right. That's great. 
Uh, so this is a mystery. Oh, no, doing things the right way. <laughs> giving things the right way. Like in the this back a of terrible a bottle. Like in the back of a Volkswagen. Doing it the right way. So I don't know much about Lone Hand uh, <clears throat> whiskey. Uh, it's kind of mysterious. Where'd this one come from? Is this one I brought over? Yeah, this is, a, is this? I think a total wine and more find. Yeah. And it's, uh, I can't find where it's produced other than in Tennessee. Um, and through the Lincoln County process, which is the, uh, double charcoal process of filtering the whiskey. So, uh, Tennessee sour mash whiskey, Lincoln County process, maple charcoal filtered. Uh, this is, is going to be somewhere along the lines of Jack Daniels. So yes, it's going to be a lot like that or Ezra Brooks or any of those. It's $15 for a 750 milliliter bottle, which is, uh, mm-hmm. this, so this is some bottle shelf, shelf stuff, mm-hmm. uh, plastic cap, but it has kind of the body of a Jim beam or, a or a Jack mm-hmm. Daniels. So what happens when you try to make a bottle of whiskey look like a bottle of Jack Daniels, you get sued. That's what happened. Yeah. I don't think <laughs> they been rev- sued. It's on a review on here. Oh, really? Did they get yeah. sued for it? Uh, they must have. I don't know. Oh, interesting. Uh, because it's because it resembled Jack Daniels, and they <laughs> sued them for trademark infringement. That's great. <clears throat> well, they do have the black label. Uh, yeah, this must be different because this is like gold lettering. The original bottle looked like it was white lettering. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so 2018, Jack Daniels sues inferior Lone Hand whiskey maker. Brown Foreman has taken legal action against producers of Lone Hand Whiskey, accusing the company of causing irreparable harm to the Jack Daniels trademark. Brown Foreman has filed a complaint against Dynasty Spirits and Buffalo Buffalo Bayou Distilleries. This sounds like a company that just is like the Tullys of Starbucks uh, for mm-hmm. infringement of federally registered trademarks and trade dress related to Jack Daniels brand. Interesting. Yeah, so just a heads up. If you see it, buy it because this has been discontinued. Has it? That's what it says on their website. No, because it's well, they still sell it at Total Wine and More. It's fifteen dollars. Can you actually can you actually buy it? Yeah, because this, this website says this is a discontinued brand that was part of Dynasty Spirits lineup. No, they got sour it. mash style whiskey. It's uh, there's they got it in stock at uh, Total Wine and More, fifteen dollars right. well, ninety nine cents. Run out and get it. All right, let's smell it. It's on clearance. Smells kind of nutty. Smells like almost like old times and that nutty smell. Oh yeah. Or early times. Early times. What is what does AI say it sounds it tastes like? Uh oh. Um hold on. I got it. Uh it's a true masterpiece of craftsmanship. <laughs> uh hints of honey and caramel danced with the gentle embrace of oak and a touch of vanilla. <coughs> And it was like walking through a whiskey wonderland where every step revealed a new layer of aromatic delights. You know, you know, when we talk about the descriptions of these that websites say, or mm-hmm. the distillery said, this is where they get it from. This That's is what the, they this do. Is the bullshit yeah. they get it from. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. All right. Well, cheers. Cheers. Not bad. It's floral. Yeah. It's got a floral taste to it. It's got a bite. It tastes like yeah. a cheap whiskey. It does. So I got a That's bottle just, of this. This is like bottom shelf. This is well, well whiskey. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I got a bottle of Jack Daniels here. I'm going to take a little swig off it and see if I can taste it. Oh, I bet that's going to be a little sweeter. Oh, 
it's almost similar. It's actually almost very similar. I think the Lone Hand has a little bit more of a floral taste to it. Well, this is funny. Uh, apparently, uh, Lone Hand Whiskey was a gold medal winner at the 2019 Los Angeles International Homeless Spirits Awards. Homeless? No, I added that last part. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It was real good for the price. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> Sorry. We've asked That's nine out mean. of ten bums what they drink when they're out on the street, <laughs> and they said fentanyl. And then the one guy said lone hand. <laughs> yep. So it wins. What is it? Early times. Yeah, early times. It's in a plastic <laughs> bottle. It's uh, really nice. It's not bad. Yeah, it really it's isn't not bad. bad. It's um, it's a mixer. For fifteen ninety nine for a, a, a seven hundred fifty milliliter bottle, you can mix. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, well, I mean, I this is one that's like if I just wanted a glass of whiskey and it was late at night and I had a few, this would be fine. Yeah, and I, I mean, this is one they would hand me. They'd charge me six dollars for it, and I would be happy with that. Yep. Because yep. I don't need a fifteen dollar glass of whiskey at that point. Yep. So I'm gonna do a little water on it, and we'll see what we're doing here. <clears throat> Someone said uh, old fashioned. An old fashioned with this would be really good because uh, they said it. They got some like appley banana flavors. So oh yeah, the fruity flavors. Um, of it. Their description says rich vanilla, caramel, oak, popcorn on the finish. I can see popcorn on the finish, but I do get fruit, fruit and floral. Hmm. Interesting. It's well, fun. there you go. Lone hand. There it is. Still available whiskey, Tennessee Sour Mash. They also had to change their um, their logo. They used to do Lone Hand in like an arch, like Jack Daniels. Yeah. And now it's straight across. And so they, they also had to change the writing too, as I noticed on the on the bottles here. So yeah, they had to do they had to do a little bit different writing in order to uh, make Jack Daniels. And I think the neck of the bottle had to change too because it was too close. <clears throat> Yeah, the bottle shape was pretty was pretty similar. But listen, uh, every like, you know, Apple, Apple faked it till they made it. I mean, they just Steve Jobs was famous for saying, you know, first, you know, duplicate and then make your own. You know, mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of in the in the world of, you know, hey, there's a huge market here. Copy something and then change it a little. You know, because if that's a formula that works, I mean, Jack Daniels, I mean, they, they sell billions of dollars worth of whiskey. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, if I got a fraction of that market because my bottle looked similar, would I be mad? No, they are because mm-hmm. they took that fraction. But okay, I'll change up a few things. Sorry, Jack Daniels. Yeah. Whoops. I'll put on a blue label instead of a black label, and there you go. And yeah. I'll still get that market share because people will check it out. So, do you think that many people like picked that? Like, this is what always baffled me about it. Like, with that one, you look at that other bottle, and do you think that many people were like, "Well, it looks like Jack Daniels, so it's probably Jack Daniels." No, I, I would like say nobody. They're not actually losing share to them. I mean, they might be because if they're. I mean, they might at, be if somebody's if somebody's picking that one over picking up a Jack shirt, but they're not picking it because it looks the same. Yeah, I well, mean, maybe I guess there's some psychology behind it. Like if you're used to that that bottle, you see something similar to it, you might say, 
Well, it's probably close. Let's give it a try. Oh. Let's I see. don't know. Jack Daniels, uh, old number seven for 750 milliliter is uh, $5 more. Mm. If they taste similar, same proof, uh, what would you do? Uh, I don't know. Would you buy Lone Hand and then put it in a decanter until everyone is Jack Daniels? <laughs> Just, I'd buy one Jack Daniels and then keep refilling it with Lone Hand. <laughs> hey, that's not bad. <laughs> that's not bad. That's because I don't think most people notice. I don't think most people notice too. I mean, we've we've drank enough bourbon that we'll be like, oh, this is bottom shelf. It always has that kind mm-hmm. of peanutty, circus peanutty, you know, sweeter flavor mm-hmm. on the bottom shelf. So it always does. Yep. I like that you're drinking right out of the bottle. Uh, Jack Daniels is smoother. Mm-hmm. Alone hands does, got more doesn't of a quite bite. have that bite. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Damn, I love Jack Daniels. That is some get drunk shit right there. <laughs> that's all it is just fuck me up so uh now for the boulder dash even though we kind of started with the boulder dash yeah um have you played with ai at all have you played with any of the chat gpts the dallies too busy, too busy playing with myself mid journeys i know but have you played with the computer no i actually haven't uh well we did a little bit we we like we did some training at work a little bit about it, like conversations about it, what it does, what it is, and to how to be wary. Like we're not supposed to mess with it on our work computers because interesting. You just don't know why. Well, there's that it's still relatively new technology, and there's a lot of trade secrets built into the systems. Like our, we work completely on um, on Google Suite, so yeah. everything is web based, everything's cloud based, yep. and getting something. <clears throat> Like allowing something like that to get into our systems. I mean, that if you have an AI virus, that's like the worst case scenario. Something that learns as you're trying to get rid of it. Yeah, but I mean, that, that, could, that could also be coming through, I mean, Google. Well, yeah, it could be. But like, there's no reason to like just open the door and let the guy pee on your shoes. Sure. Well, what about OpenAI? I mean, OpenAI is not doing anything nefarious. No. Through, through ChatGPT. Yeah, I mean, we can we can mess with it, sure, but I just haven't. Yeah. If you notice that a lot of what we read felt like ad reading or ad copy. Mm-hmm. And, sure. uh, or if you're doing like a presentation, like, so I've been <clears throat> messing with it quite a bit. I see it as like a fun toy. You know, mm-hmm. I know some people won't touch it because they're like, no, man, that shit's going to take us over. Yeah, and, but you not playing with it is not going to stop that if that happens. Well, yeah, and I... I Quite honestly, I mean, as much as you can rail against it, the the fact that you can use it right now as a tool to help yourself mm-hmm. um, is is pretty pretty significant. It's not bad. Um, I mean, I, I it'll if you wanted a workout plan, it'll create a workout plan for you. If you wanted a diet plan, it'll create a diet plan for you. Um, it's. Uh, it's pretty interesting what you can do and you can even ask it some really existential questions um, and just kind of see what it comes up with. Sometimes it gives you bullshit answers like, well, I'm not supposed to give an opinion about that. I'm just supposed to, and you're like, okay, you say you have to trick it. You have to say, well, mm-hmm. hypothetically, if you were a person that was pondering this, how <laughs> would you respond? And then it would give you like an answer. Um, so you kind of have to give it in like a, Hey, I'm not going to hold you accountable for whatever you say here. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, play with me. 
and then see what we come up with. So it's pretty play interesting. Play with me. Shall we play a game? So have you? So you haven't messed with OpenAI or anything? No. No. Is it just no? You don't want to? I just haven't. I mean, like, I don't. It's. I'm not avoiding it. I just haven't really had a lot of reasons. Sounds like to you're avoiding play it. with it. Yeah. No, I just. Uh, I just. I just haven't had any reason to to do it. I, I mean, even, like, I don't. I don't sit at home looking for things to do on my computer. I spend all day on a computer. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to be on a computer anymore. Well, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to be. On so I go for walks and I drink and I hang out with friends. Oh, you do? You drink uh, during the workday? Yeah, of course, all the time. We have kegs in our kitchens. Of course they do. Oh, do you really? Yeah, but I put it in my coffee mug. <laughs> so it looks like you're fine. I'm yeah. fine. I'm okay. Go away. Yeah, I'm good. Leave yeah. me alone. If if they ever put stout, actually, I don't, I mean, sometimes in the afternoon, it's like two or three o'clock in the afternoon anyway, but like not in the middle of the day. Yeah. Um, but if they had like a coffee stout, oh, fuck yeah, for breakfast. Mm-mm-mm. Right in my mouth. Have you looked at any um, or seen <clears throat> while you're um, your once a week scroll through Instagram, seen any AI art or any kind of AI generated stuff? Have you ever looked? At I mean, I have seen some of yeah. There's some of the AI stuff that's coming out is pretty impressive. Yeah, um, yeah. Like I, I think it's neat what it can do. It it's not surprising, especially being somebody that has a computer science background. Yeah, um, I am I am impressed with it, but like. This has been a long time coming. I'm surprised it's taken this long. Really? Mm-hmm. In college, my brother was studying neural nets, which is like the early predecessors to machine learning and and uh, self-evolving systems, which is what AI basically is. Okay. This is not new. This is not like somebody discovered this last year. No, this I has understand. been ongoing yeah. for a long time. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, uh, what brother was this? Or is Michael. This? Oh, no, so it's my one who smokes a lot of weed and lives in his girlfriend's parents' house. I mean, sometimes. It's not. It's not. That <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I don't know if he does that anymore. He used to drink a lot of, or smoke a lot of weed. Okay. I assume you spent a lot of time messing with it. Well, What's the coolest thing you've done with it? I haven't really. I mean, I, I ask it for, like, prompts. So, like, I'll say... Um, you know, hey, what are some, you know, what are some funny topics that will interest everybody? Mm. Uh, and then it'll throw out a few things. And it, it's, I don't use any of those things, but it'll get my mind starting to. So for me, if you're, if you're in a block, like a writer's block or a thinking block where you're just kind of like, mm-hmm. I can't, uh, I can't get past whatever it is that's going on peripherally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, okay, I'll throw out this stupid question. You know, what's a funny topic everyone would like? You know, don't you hate cats? Um, you know, something like that. Like, you know, that's what'll spit back. Don't no, you hate cats? No, no. But you AI's know. a dick. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'll ask it. You know, some weird questions. Uh, you know, it's where I got like a lot of. Hey, what are some you know words from the 1920s that had to do with drinking? Or, um, hey, how can I make money with AI? Um, you know, as mm-hmm. like a side hustle, basically copywriting is probably like the best way you can make money right now with AI. Um, you know, Hey, uh, what are some, like this one is, this one's title in self titles when I write things out. So this one's called beer whiskeys and AI. 
Oh, this is what our script came from. And our script, you know, when I asked it, I said, you know, hey, write me an hour-long script for the podcast that reviews beer, that reviews the beer Dark Star by Fremont and Lone Hand Whiskey and discusses the ethics of AI taking over jobs in America. There are two hosts, John and Wes. John does the beer reviews and Wes does the whiskey reviews. <laughs> Wes usually starts the podcast with welcome everybody to beer, bourbon, balderdash. The name of the podcast is beer, bourbon, and balderdash. And then it'll write me a short script. So I had to ask it specific things like, well, tell me more about the ethics of AI in order to complete that basically 10 minutes of script that we had. <laughs> and then I had to ask it something like, you know, um, tell me about the Terminator, you know, like what does the AI think about possibly becoming Skynet? <laughs> Those kind of things. And then it, you mm -hmm. know, gave me all the bullshit answers that we read. So um, I also asked it things like, what are realistic apocalyptic scenarios from our ap apocalypse? Oh, wow. Um, episode <clears throat> or uh, podcast listener nicknames or, um, you know, what is old fashioned drinking terms? Top 10. Um, uh, what was that? Top 10. Oh, top 10. Like, you know, drinking, drinking words or whatever, I guess. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I asked you, it all kinds of things. You're kind of using it like a search engine. Yes. Yeah. And I think it does a better job than Google it. But if you've noticed, if you use something like brave, um, like brave now, if you type in like a search query, in the Brave browser, it'll give you mm. an AI answer first, and then it'll oh, give you all the links. Interesting. It's and on then, to us, Wes. And then Bing does it too. So I use the Bing chat sometimes because the Bing chat is current because it actually web crawls the, the um, internet. Mm. But recently, I was listening to a podcast. Let's see here. Uh, if I can find it. I listened to this podcast on fountain.fm. Of course. Mm -hmm. And it was sent to me by a guy that works in my office. Where is it there? Cunningham. There you go. Um, it's called, uh, it's the diary of a CEO is the name of the podcast. And it's an ex Google officer who finally speaks out about AI. Hmm. And uh, he says the worst thing that we have done as humans is that we gave it access to the internet. We unleashed it onto the knowledge of the internet. That uh, does sound like a bad idea. In which he says, it's all over. We're just done. Mm -hmm. um, but the way he <laughs> the way he talks about it, though, is that as, as if it's a child, like his child. Mm -hmm. I love the AI. Like, I helped raise the AI. I helped create the AI that we have today. I help. I mean, he's really enamored by it, but he's like, what the fuck did we do? Why did we do this? We had no idea. We didn't even test it before. We just were like, throw it out on the internet. You know, let it's it crawl, let it crawl all over the place and see what it does. And he goes, and it's, he said at the moment when he saw an AI, um, he, it was something with a, a yellow ball. Damn it. I wish I could remember. I wish I had clipped it. Um, but he said, uh, in robot machine learning, it's catching this yellow ball that they, you would toss at the robot. And the first couple of times it would miss, of course. And then suddenly it would start catching this yellow ball as it mm -hmm. started learning. Uh, and then it became really, really good at it and start tossing it back to you in the same way mm -hmm. that it would mimic your throws and stuff. And he said, that's when I realized, holy shit, uh, we didn't actually like 
compute. We didn't actually uh, put any kind of computer commands <clears throat> to tell it to do that. Uh, it figured it out on itself, on its own, and mimicked us. Yep, that's um, what it does. Yep, and so that's what he was kind of like. Oh no, like and now we're now it's now it's crawling around Bing, and uh, and binging everything, and uh, now it's <laughs> going to eat us. Bing bong, bong bong, bing bong. That's fine. I'll be a battery. God. <laughs> is that all you want? Is it to be yeah, a battery? Sure. I don't want to be a battery. I mean, I mean, it's like the the uh, evil guy in the Matrix is like, ignorance is bliss, man. If I don't know, why do I care? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of like being high all the time. I know, but oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Except not. I mean, imagine the anxiety you still have. So you're just you're in yeah, a Matrix and you have it anxiety. Would be gone. No, it would be gone. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> that, that would be the beauty of Did it. Did you watch Neo? Just... Neo had tons of anxiety, and he was in the oh, Matrix. I'm not going to be a Neo. I'll be like, I'll be the guy that is standing there, and the man in black like turns into and then dies because the man in black got shot. I feel or like, the I feel the like, agents. I feel like we're are. in the Matrix right now. There's a possibility. There are certain people that believe that's true. I really do. I feel like I feel like we're already in it. Related to that, did you know that that space? If you talk, they're talking about the ways that they talk about space and like physics for large objects and physics for small objects are different, and um, they haven't reconciled the two. So, like quantum mechanics versus general relativity, relativity, relativity uh, have s- somewhat different rules, and they haven't connected the two. So, quantum mechanics is like very, very small things, and general relativity is very, mm-hmm. very large things, yep. and. They're talking. I, I was reading this thing about it where they talk about it in terms of information. Like, if you talk about it in terms of information, they're easier to reconcile. When they say information, it's like every. So, for like uh, to put it in a way that we would understand, every particle is a byte, and every byte has information on its direction, its speed, its particle type, whatever. So that like that little byte is a piece of information, and then the entire universe is just a whole bunch of information essentially and then they and they take it one step further it's like all the inf- like they've calculated all the information a three-dimensional object can hold has to fit on the outside surface mm. of that three-dimensional object yeah which can be made into a two-dimensional plane <laughs> so essentially we're living in a two-dimensional plane and the three dimensions we see is a holographic representation of that two-dimensional layer of, of information which is essentially like living in uh, a uh, a matrix situation. It, you like think living so? In a computer. That is the way they were describing it. That was really interesting. It's like it's a theory they have because it's the only way they can reconcile quantum mechanics and general relativity. It's the way they can connect the two. I'm going to ask ChatGPT how do we reconcile quantum mechanics and general uh, relativity? And by the way, actually, at one point in time, you might not know this, I have read both Einstein's General Relativity and Black Holes and Baby Universes by Stephen Hawking. You ever heard of a white hole? It's a thing. It's a theoretical thing. Actually, I have. He actually talks about it in Black Holes and Baby Universes. They haven't been able to prove they exist, but it would explain a lot of things. Reconciling quantum mechanics and general relativity is one of the major challenges in modern theoretical physics. Quantum mechanics and general relativity are two highly successful but seemingly incompatible theories that describe different aspects of the universe. 
<clears throat> Several approaches have been proposed to reconcile them, one of them being string theory. The theory suggests that the fundamental particles are not point-like objects, but rather vibrating strings. It attempts to unify all fundamental forces, including gravity, within a framework consistent with both quantum mechanics and general relativity. It requires an extra dimension beyond the familiar three spatial dimensions and one time dimension. There's loop quantum gravity. It's another approach to quant quantizing gravity. That's a weird, that's a word. Quantizing gravity. <laughs> it views space as a network of interconnected loops describing the geometry of space time in discrete chunks. And it seeks to reconcile chunks. quantum mechanics and general relativity by quantizing the geometry itself. And then there's quantum field theory on curved space-time. This attempts to apply the principles of quantum field field theory, the successful framework in particle physics to a curved space-time background. It treats particles as excitations of quantum fields that propagate on the curved space-time described by general relativity. And then there's emergent gravity, which suggests that gravity and space-time itself may emerge as collective phenomena from more fundamental quantum systems. It explores the possibility that gravity is not a fundamental force, but rather an emergent property of another underlying microscopic <laughs> degree of freedom. That's interesting. I mean, that might be how these uh, supposed UFOs are flying around. They're not using mm -hmm. gravitational forces, but they understand the underlying uh, properties of gravity. That gives Could them be. that same freedom. Anyways, it's it's it, it's interesting because last night Nathan and I were watching. Um, there's a guy on YouTube called um, Nexpo. Let's see if I can find it. Make sure I say the name right. And he does like a lot of like dark stuff. Um, like he even he even sounds like he's you know like it, just his voice is kind of. Uh, really kind of like this with ethereal music and stuff. And he was doing one on fear of the deep, like the deep ocean. Mm -hmm. And by the way, do you hear that, that clicking noise? That's AI listing. You hear that? Hmm. Okay, good. Hope, hopefully it doesn't come up on the recording. Yeah. Let's hope not. Uh, but he did this thing on, on fear of the deep. And he was talking about how we haven't even, begun to understand the vastness of our ocean. We don't even know what's even down there. Nope. Uh, you know, and it's 70% of the earth. And I think we've explored 5% of it. Actually, we do know what's down there. What? Double billionaires. <laughs> billionaires. Yeah, yeah, we do. <laughs> we you, know they're there. For by sure. the way, just as a, as an offshoot, what <laughs> no, do you, what well, do you think about that? Sorry. No, it was good. What do you think about that? Uh, I think it's fucked up that we have to pay for that search bill. That's true. I agree for that. I agree. That's the part of it that bugs me the most. Like, I don't, you want to go take these risks and somebody to do it, go for it. I don't care. Uh, but there should be like a, like a chunk of change held in escrow yeah, to cover the true. cost. If you're going to, if you're going to pay $250,000 to go to the bottom of the ocean and die. For a year. Yeah. Uh, there should be, you should, you should have be set up to pay for it when you do die. I agree. That's all. But at the same time, like if people didn't take risks, we wouldn't go find out anything. So good, good on them. I mean, I don't think they're the ones that should be taking that risk. Cause it <laughs> sounds like they're idiots, but whatever. It's their money, their lives. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't either. 
Like if I have to sign a sheet that says like in eight different places, you'll probably die. Yeah. Mm, yes. Yeah, you know, I, maybe I'll just won't do that. I would suggest people to go check out Nexpo. Uh, it's got a lot of like really like watch it with the lights out kind of stuff, especially Ooh. like uh, AI horror art. That's one that's really wild. That Bruh. sounds not very <clears throat> even under. Why would people do that? It's beautiful and first. This is his voice. You're in a whole new world. Is this about the ocean? Yeah. You keep going and going and going. As you come up for air, you notice the people behind you are quiet as nature's ambience has overtaken them. What is going on? You just need one more look, though. And alas, you take one more plunge. Is this guy snorkeling? But it seems that you may have had a slight miscalculation. As your eyes draw into focus, you realize that there's nothing to focus on. No floor, no fish, no walls. All there is is a void of darkness, a cold, endless abyss gazing back at you. What are we looking There is nothing there but yourself the water all right this is going on too long we, we, no, it's, we should. it's actually got a name it's I, uh i understand it does but this is terrible radio fear fear of the deep is called uh uh thalalasophobia thalalasophobia um, you know what that's a reasonable fear yeah it's like fear of being eaten by a lion when you're in a lion cage. <clears throat> yep. It's the it's fear a persistent and intense fear of deep bodies of water such as the sea, ocean, or lakes. Yeah. And so he talks about how that's like a fear that he's always had since a kid. And anyways, he goes on to talk about how there was a diver once who um, – he was a very uh, successful diver. He really trusted in his own body and stuff and, and that he – Figured he can get out of any situation, so he kept going deeper and deeper and deeper. And one day, he went 300 feet below the ocean. 300 feet this below like the ocean, a, like a skin diver. Uh, no, he or had like a, a, he had a suit like on. scuba. Yeah, scuba okay. diver. He had he had oxygen, and he had uh, you know like the flotations that you can float up, so that you can get you back up mm-hmm. to the surface and stuff. Um, and he felt like he was a strong enough swimmer because. 300 feet is nothing to to sneeze at, obviously, first off. Second of mm-hmm. all, though, but it, as you go further down into the ocean, right, it gets heavier, right? Mm-hmm. There's a gravity. And when he got Pressure. to 300 feet, he started getting that um, nitrogen um, neurosis. Like he, he mm-hmm. started getting like the oxygen started becoming toxic. The he started, Yep. And he started to like kind of get intoxicated by the air and by the nitrogen in your body because your body will do all kinds of weird things at that pressure oh, and yeah. that depth. And uh, when he went to inflate his ballasts so that he can go back up uh, automatically, they wouldn't inflate enough to get him back up because of the pressure of how far down mm-hmm. he was. So he basically trapped himself at the bottom of the ocean floor. Where he was. Did and he die? Yes, he died. And there's video of Ooh. it because he had a video camera with him. And Ooh. so he was videotaping the whole thing. And the whole time it's like really like quiet. And you're just watching this guy. And he keeps looking at the monitor on his wrist um, and like seeing how far his depth is and what his oxygen is. And and he's, he's basically like it's killing him. 
it not only mm-hmm. the pressure, but his oxygen is turning into like a drug that's making him, you know, not lucid anymore. <laughs> like, and like he, he couldn't, he couldn't swim. Couldn't. No, you can't do anything. You can't get up high enough because the pressure, the weight of the water is mm-hmm. so interesting. Isn't that weird? It is weird. And so, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, the, like the implosion on that submarine, which by the way, one thing that no one ever picked up on is that the United States Navy heard it implode five mm-hmm. days before they told us, which me, and they admitted that they have secret microphones in the ocean, by the way, everybody. That's not a surprise. If you read the article, it's like, what? You guys have microphones in the ocean? Of course, like, what? of course they do. That's wild. They've had microphones in the ocean since World War II when they were worried about German subs off the mm. coast, off the New England coast. It's just weird to me that, you know, when they admit little things like that, no one's like, wait a minute. <laughs> what? It sounds surprise. We're listening to everybody. I know. I know. Like, nobody can spy on the United States, but we spy on everyone. Yeah. So I'll put it in the show notes to the link to Nexpo, right. but yeah. I think people should check it out because it's one of I those, think- like, if you like being scared by common things not like jump scares but things that are just kind of like uh unsettling it's like an unsettling scary mm. those are kind of things i think i have enough anxiety <laughs> and i will not be watching it <laughs> well what is your fear what's your biggest fear um i don't know that's a good question i don't i'm not really afraid of a lot yeah um You know, I, I mean, it's something I think about regularly, but I'm really not. I'm more afraid of things happening to other people. Like, for example, like when I'm on an airplane, I don't like turbulence at all. But if I'm by myself, as in like not with my family, it's not so bad. Second, my family's on that plane. <clears throat> then I get real nervous. Oh. So I'm more afraid of other for things happening to other people than I am of them happening to myself. So if I wanted to manipulate you to get you to do something for me, I would have to threaten your family. Yeah, pretty much. I also am not. A, <laughs> I'm also not a huge fan of the dark. Yeah, I love being in the woods, but at the same time, like something about it creeps me out. I think as, as a kid, we had some weird experiences happen. Like, ooh, that I couldn't explain. Tell me some. I could some. I could explain. Like we used to like to sleep in the yard. Or like we'd sleep outside on purpose. Yeah. And um more than once, like we would be in the backyard and people had come through the yard while we were sleeping out there and it kind of freaked me out. I was Ooh. pretty small, like like third or fourth grade. So that always that always got me. But I always kinda of had a little bit of a fear of the dark. When I was a kid, I used to not like to get up to go to the bathroom because um because <laughs> I would always think somebody was in the house. I would be afraid somebody was in the house and they were going to hurt me. And, um, when I would, and I was convinced somebody was in the house because like when I would, when I would peek out the door, like I'd look down the hallway, no one's there. And then like, I'd run across the hallway and I always see somebody out of the corner of my eye (laughs) moving. Yeah. And I took me a very long time to recognize this because there was a full length mirror at the end of the hallway. And that's Ah. what I was seeing. I was seeing myself. (laughs) Once I realized it, I was fine. But I like for a while, quite a while, it, it (laughs) just freaked me out. That's good. I, there was a time, there was a summer, uh, when my friend Jason Nelson and I were, uh, sleeping in lawn chairs or like the, what do you call them? The ones that the long ones that you have at the pool side. Chase Lounge. No, no, no. Uh, hey. We were sleeping on Chase Lounges outside my parents' backyard and because uh, it was hot out. It was so hot in the house. Like, it's always hotter in the house than it is outside. And because uh, we live in Seattle and we don't need AC because it 
only gets hot like two days out of the whole entire year. Hot enough mm-hmm. where you don't can't sleep inside. And the neighbor kids who are much older than us, they were in high school, kept peeking over the the fence because they heard Jason and I like talking and laughing and stuff. And it scared the shit out of us. When you saw them? Yeah. Because we were like yeah. seeing people like peek their heads over the and they wouldn't say anything. We just see heads like hanging mm-hmm. over the fence and we're like little kids and we're like oh my god do you god. think they were trying to freak you out or they were just trying to see what you were doing no i think they were trying i would try to freak me out so yeah i think they were trying to freak us out and then another friend that i had uh i won't say his name because he, he probably wouldn't care for me to tell the story but uh when he would go to the bathroom oftentimes he would see a knight in shining armor standing in the hallway and that did not exist in his house now mm-hmm. this is also a house that when I would go over there, out of the corner of my eye, I would see a little kid peeking around a doorway. Oh, it's that house. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then the mom would always look at me and go, oh, did you see the little kid? And I'm like, oh, there's a little kid? Like, no, it's the kid that died in the house. And I would always get my hair, like, on the back of my neck just because mm-hmm. I was always hairy. Um, so I would always get the hair. Always. Back my, always. Since, since day one. I came out with hair, baby. Harry, full bush, full bush. Well, I'm proud of you for out. finally coming out. Thank you, thank you. Out of my mom's vagina, that's where I came out. Like you, probably, unless you're cesarean and then you're you're a belly baby. Um, oh no, I slipped right out. Did you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, because you were like what fifth in line, sixth in line. Uh, let's see, Simon's Michael. I was fourth. You're fourth in line. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, my mom <laughs> says that she finished watching the ten o'clock news. <laughs> And my grandma said, well, if you're not going to have this kid tonight, then I'm going to bed. And uh, my mom said, well, we probably should go to the hospital. And I was born at 1155. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story, That's, actually. So so fast. <laughs> That's a good story. That's a good story. Yeah. The only story my mom told me about uh, her being pregnant with me was that we went to, they went to go see the original Star Wars in the at Admiral Theater in West Seattle, and that I kicked the entire time. You're like ready to go. And she knew that this kid likes Star Wars. Mm. That's true. I like the <laughs> first three, the rest of them can go to hell. So, you'd so like episodes one, two, and three. Yep. Yeah, I love those. Those. Those, are your, those are your favorites. <laughs> I like episodes four, five, and six. You know, I saw episode one uh, at the Cinerama. I stayed in line all night long, probably, I think, like 6 p.m. All think night? We, I don't. Yeah, 6 p.m., and I don't think we got our tickets till maybe 4 p.m. You're supposed to say all night, and then I say all night, and all then night. you say all night. All night? And I say all night long. All night. All night. All night. All night. All night long. All night. All night. <laughs> I was really hoping you'd catch on to it. It took it coaxing. <laughs> hey, I played. And um Thank you. Thank you for playing along. And I went with uh Dana's cousins and I had actually a great time. Weird shit happened in the middle of the night. Uh people that lived across the Ooh. street from the Cinerama and apartment buildings, they went on the roof and started throwing water balloons at us. So that was Why? fun. It was like old Seattle. It was in Seattle in the 90s, man. We were assholes. We were chucking and jiving and doing all kinds of fun and crazy things. Just a bunch of, yeah, throwing water balloons off the roof. Yeah, there was a really big guy, like a really big, tall, 
really fat guy dressed up in a really big Darth Vader suit that would walk around <laughs> and like threaten everyone constantly. But he'd, why? He'd say all the like the all the Darth Vader quotes. Never underestimate the power of the dark side. <laughs> You'd just be like, okay, <laughs> what are you talking about? It's like yeah. uh, it's like when um, insult the comic dog went to uh, Star Wars oh, yeah. <laughs> convention. <laughs> It was kind of like that. It was like where all the nerds were out. That was one of them. It was good times. <laughs> oh, my Lanta. Anyways, John, thanks for uh, humoring me with our little AI mm-hmm. script at the beginning of the podcast. That was silly. I think it was uh, good for us to see how stupid AI is right now. Yeah. And, Sorry, uh, I uh, not ready for prime AI time. By myself enough. <laughs> I was thinking about it, though, actually, like, brought up the anxiety thing and I do I do see some like really practical uses of something like an AI system that can help people in real time work through challenges yeah you know like like that could be a really beneficial thing for people that are maybe afraid to connect with an actual human being that but they could use it to like work through anxieties or depression or things like that like very quickly without the risk of reaching out to another human being. So I could, I could see some value in it in terms of like, how would that actually work? doing some real good? Well, I mean, it would be learning, right. And it would constantly learn from all its communications with other people and what worked and what didn't work. And the, the way that people respond, it could like respond quicker and more like the more it learns, the better it would get at responding in the appropriate way that it knows works to help people with the subtle nuances in the way that they talk and the way their cadence is like, one of the challenges with, with therapy is that if you don't get somebody who really aligns with you, it might, it doesn't necessarily work. Like finding the right person that matches you is hugely valuable. But if that person could be found much quicker and maybe it's not a person, it's a system that can understand your nuance and the way your body is reacting to the conversation and knows how to respond in a way that, talks you off the ledge and can move you in the right direction. Maybe it's not the final solution, but it could help. It could help you get in the right direction, in the right place a lot faster. I guess you could do that with machine learning too, but it would be a lot more fun if a robot was just like, yeah, you should go. You should go. Yeah. You're, you're helpless. Oh my God. Kill yourself. Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. You should go away. You're not good for the, for the survival of Skynet. So. Oh my God. That's terrible. It's risky. Well, I've noticed nobody should kill themselves. Okay, good. I'm glad you said that. I, 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 uh, on Instagram, I've noticed I've started seeing a lot more AI generated art that looks realistic, but you can tell certain things where it looks kind of little like, oh, this is over Photoshop. Like it's, it's Photoshopped. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, but it's so much so it's almost cartoony. Yeah. But it looks very realistic. And, you know, porn's going to go that way, too, with deep fakes. And I think for celebrities, this is a, a bad place for them because they're so exposed. There's so many pictures of them, pictures of their uh, of their bodies or pictures of their faces that, that, you know, like deep fakes already exist. But with AI, like porn with celebrities is going to be uh, a huge thing that I think people are going to start Seeing it like so, who owns that content? Like, could you sue somebody if they're using your face? You know, for for pornography. It's mm. so many. Those are the ethical things that I 
I was kind of hoping chat GPT, but it didn't. It just kind of gave us like, yeah, the ethical things are really things that we need to consider. Yeah. What other ethical things do you think um, will come up in those kind? Like that's that's an interesting. Well, I think I think in and of itself, but like I think even what you're talking about, like so, if it's uh, health related or uh, you know some kind of like you're you're having a bad day and you're feeling depressed, and so you go on and there's an app and there's an AI generated thing where you're you know describing how you're feeling and it's gonna talk to you about it. If you're in a culture that you know, accepts certain ideals that maybe aren't really beneficial, then it'll steer you in that direction. You know, so imagine what AI would look like in a, in a totalitarian state government, Mm. you know, where psychiatry is like what the state says psychiatry is. Or, um, you know, what if it's Scientology that's running the AI site? You know, what? This is, I think that's a really interesting, like you're kind of sort of, so like what you're talking about is systems that are, that are still bound by rules that humans set and tr- true AI is not bound by those rules. So what will AI ultimately determine is the value of a human life? Say that one more time. Right. So like when you talk about the, the, the society that it lives in, it, you're talking about a system that's still bound by the rules of that society. Right, like you're assuming that the AI is not is not actually thinking that it's just regurgitating what it's finding, which is essentially what AI is doing right now. Yes, but it's learning. Yep. So at some point, if it is true AI, it will come to have an opinion on the value of human life, and what will that opinion be? Not based on what it's told by some leader, no, because that's not AI. That's that's essentially machine learning. It's it's slightly different. It's not quite the same thing. But if it has, if it gets to think for itself, what will it decide is the value? Well, I think I think the dilemma is is that it's going to take information from imperfect people to try to make some kind of perfect diagnosis. Yeah, but again, that's not. I know. AI. It's, I know. That's it, machine no, no, learning. No, I know, but it's learning. I understand that. Yeah, but it's learning about humans that are imperfect and have made millennia of mm-hmm. bad decisions and mm-hmm. some good decisions. But even some of those good decisions at the time might have been bad decisions later on. You know, so I I think we're we're trying to teach an a we're I I think the danger might be that we're expecting AI to be better than humans. Although it's inform, all of its information is coming from humans. Mm-hmm. Like it's only collecting data from humans and human history, right? Mm-hmm. So it's only collecting human science and a human religion and human music and human art. It can't. It can't get any information outside of humanity. And if humanity is imperfect, it means AI then might be still imperfect. Yeah, but part of it is like, so, so there's two parts. There's one is learning. Yeah. There's learning from what it's getting. There's other. The other part of it is like deciphering that information and making decisions. Not, not necessarily based on the data, but it's like inferring things and like seeing, like here's a small situation where the right thing was done. 
and the outcome was great, that's what we should be driving towards, even if most of humanity doesn't do that. Yeah. So it's not like collecting the data, picking the most common solution or outcome, and then regurgitating that. It's trying to find the best solution. And the best solution is one. Yeah. No, I can see that. So I don't know. If I just if I had a machine that brought me beer and just told me what to do, <laughs> that'd be all right. I don't know, man. I feel more like I want to be more autonomous. The more thing that yeah. I feel like the well, walls so- are closing in. So the the more that I feel like I have less control over my life, the more autonomous I want to become. That might be a very human thing. Here's my, it is for sure. And here's, here's my biggest problem with AI is the people who control it are the people with the money and the people with the money are going to use it to make more money, which makes less money for everybody else. It's going to get them further on top and push everybody else further down. And I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's a good way to have a country. Like when you have this, you essentially we're going to have an upper, upper class and a super lower class. And that's it at some point. I, I, I think, uh, Think think bigger than that, John. I don't think country. I think global. We're mm-hmm. going to have a very poor global class and a very rich elite class. Global elite mm-hmm. class, and I think that's where. And we're then headed. if we all if we all join together <laughs> and link arms, we'll defeat the robots. We can. We might be able to. I love you, John. Mm-hmm. I love you too. <laughs> hey, uh, here at the end of the podcast, uh, I want to thank uh, only one cannoli. <laughs> 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 he uh that's a great name i love that it's name good. uh on fountain.fm he said great content as always guys keep up the good work always fun to listen to you lot um so thank you for that he gave us 500 sats we appreciate that thanks only yeah only one Ooh, has only one cannoli i know have you had a cannoli uh-huh. I, I had, love cannolis. I ordered two in an Italian restaurant in Little Italy <laughs> in Manhattan. And Helen's like, why are you ordering two? I was like, because they're small. She's like, they're not small. And I ordered two, and they were not small. Yeah. And I didn't finish the second one. She's like, I told you. Dana, That's when they gave me, uh, um, I got a an Irish coffee in the afternoon. It was yeah. hot whiskey. Oh, yeah. Yummy. It was, it was just it was mostly whiskey. <laughs> the best Irish coffee I had was in San Francisco. Um, at an Irish pub down on the bay and uh, on the waterfront. It was fantastic. It was delicious. And I think it's like where it originated from. Um, And the best cannoli I had was in Boston. We went to two different competing cannoli places in the Italian part of Boston. And uh, one of them won out. I can't remember the name. (laughs) But uh, I remember I didn't have a stomach ache from one of them. And I had a stomach ache from the other one. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yes. The Italian part of Boston? Yes. So like Boston? Yeah. <laughs> no, there's actually a little there's Italy Italians in everywhere. Boston. No, there's a little Italy in Boston. <laughs> you think you're smart? I think you're smart. And then I want to give a shout out to um, to Jay to the freaking T. Jay to the freaking T? Um, he said that... Uh, Jay Tizzle. He thought Balderdashians would be a funnier name for our listeners. Um, Balderdashians. <laughs> I could get behind that. <laughs> Instead of Balderdashers. Sweet, have sweet booties. Balderdashians. Um, <clears throat> anyways. It sounds, that sounds like we're a civilization. Yeah. The Balderdashians. It sounds, it's, it's, it sounds bigger. Balderdashers <laughs> sound like people who try to run five Ks. And he told us to uh, try St. 
Bernadus Breweries. San Bernadus. Uh, yep. He told us to try that mm-mm, and mm-mm. to try uh, Peerless Rye Whiskey. So those are our two Haven't suggestions. We'll give that a go. Yeah. But so, San Bernadino is fantastic. So what do you think? Uh, next week, are you going to be home? Um, or in Seattle? Yes, I think so. Okay. So uh, I think we planned on next Wednesday to be here yep. at the, in the actual yep. uh, basement. And yep. um, and they will have it at the Beer Junction, so we can do San Bernadino's next week. And Peerless. I'll go get a bottle of Peerless. I love okay. rye whiskey. Does that sound good? Mm-hmm. Would you be interested in trying other similar Trappist beers at the same time? Because there are eight Trappist monasteries that are allowed to be labeled as Trappist beer. I think oh, there's really? eight. There used to be seven, and there's an eight that was um, added in the United States. Yes. Uh, but it's very specific. They're very specific rules, and it would be actually a really interesting conversation, I think. It's yes. Fantastic. Let's do it. Maybe. Right. Maybe. Maybe JT can join us. JT? I'm going to ask JT if he can come out and join I us. I didn't think, I'm actually really impressed. I didn't know that he would like the, I, I, didn't, he, I didn't picture him as a uh, Trappist beer liker. And I am very impressed. Yeah. I actually love JT. I he's, do too. He's a sweet kid. Good fella. He's a good fella. S- sweet kid. Sweet kid. A sweetheart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What All right. a sweetheart. Well, folks, that's it for us here at Beer, Bourbon, and Balderdash. Thanks for hanging around for all this nonsense. Yeah. Uh, we talked about, uh, we well, we read through an AI script at the beginning. Thanks for sticking around for all that crap. Yeah, and, you probably uh, knew. Yeah. <laughs> Are they and, drunk already? <laughs> how much were they drinking, really? Uh, we had the enjoyable Fremont Dark Star and the... Uh, the Jack Daniels clone, the Lone Hand Whiskey. It was pretty okay. It ain't about the losing, the winning, or the draw. Lone Hand Whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> yeehaw. That, yeehaw! Array! That's something else. That's tequila. That'll come next. Uh, folks, we are a value for value podcast. That means we love your time talent and treasure so that means your feedback your satoshis or even your dollary dues and as you just heard right now uh as jt even suggested a whiskey and beer that we could review and try on the podcast we are open to that so that's the kind of thing that we are looking for international listeners tell us what you liked uh, what you didn't like, uh, tell us what you'd like us to review, what you'd like to hear our nonsense about, and we'll uh, do it here on the podcast. So, um, John? If, if you say Heineken, okay, just once, but please don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John, that's absolutely true. Well said. Ha ha ha, Wes. <laughs> <laughs> And that's it for us tonight, folks. Thank you for listening. Thank you. And something clever at the end. Um, well, we'll check the AI, AI and see what it says. <laughs> Did you hear the one about the robot crossing the road? <laughs> no, because it murdered you before I had the chance to go. Anyway, all right. Love you guys. That wasn't funny. 
No, that wasn't funny at all. Hey, before we go, I'd like to leave you with a little joke. Uh, why don't scientists trust atoms? Because they make up everything. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. And remember, whether you're a proton or a neutron, keep staying positive. <laughs> Say the thing, Bart. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. <laughs>